This is Aligned with Purpose in Life and Leadership, hosted by Jamie Coleman. Here, we embark on a transformative journey to create a vision for your life and step into your truest self. We amplify the voices of the 1% crazy entrepreneurs who have defied the odds and become living examples of aligning with purpose and deepest desires. We dare to dream big and live even bigger. We refuse to settle for the status quo, forging our own paths. We embrace discomfort as the catalyst for growth and change. Our voices are unfiltered, authentic, and resonate with truth. We inspire a movement of empowered individuals to do the same. We lead by example, showing that change starts within us. Join us on this empowering podcast as we explore the secrets, insights, and strategies of extraordinary entrepreneurs who have aligned their lives with purpose. Get ready to ignite your purpose, unleash your potential, and create a life and leadership journey that is truly aligned with who you are meant to be. Welcome back to Aligned with Purpose in Life and Leadership. In today's expert series, I have a really special guest. I'm extremely excited to have this interview and conversation with Tina Wells. She's here to join us today. She's a very highly successful business strategist, advisor, author, and the founder of Relevant Media a multimedia content venture that's really changing the game when it comes to storytelling and product development. And her latest work, which we're going to go way deeper in in this conversation, The Elevation Approach, is a framework for really finding work-life harmony that she developed after facing her own burnout. It's expanded it into a book and a product line available at Target stores nationwide. And Tina is also a prolific author of several best-selling tween fiction series and the marketing handbook, Chasing Youth culture and getting it right. And her impressive career began early when she launched her market research company at the age of 16. And she's since been recognized by Fast Company, Essence, and the American Advertising Federation, among others. And I just really can't wait to dive in and learn more about Tina's approach to business and life and just hear more of her story. I'm sure it is jam-packed full of just juicy takeaways for us today. So without further ado... Let's dive in. Welcome. Thank you so much, Jamie. That was a lovely intro, but I have to say every time I hear it, I'm like exhausted, but I'm just kidding. Now <laughs> now I live with the elevation approach. So it's not exhausting, but I listen and I'm like, wow, that's a lot of stuff. Gratitude. Oh. So much gratitude for like what you're doing in the world and what you're doing in the space. You were like such a living example of like what so many who listen to the show are looking to build and create in their own lives. And so I would love to hear more of your journey. Like when we're thinking about the elevation approach, like how has this personally helped you and professionally? Oh goodness. I wrote the book that I needed, you know, and Mm -hmm. I continue to need every day. And I think the most important thing for your listeners to know, right, is I really believe that we all have something to offer. We all have, you know, a gift that we can give. And what I want to help you do is unlock it, bring it to life and do it in a way that doesn't cause you to burn out like I did. Right. Mm -hmm. And so this method that I created was really a response to my own burnout at 27. And, you know, you kind of read my career trajectory, but I started at 16. I was an accidental entrepreneur. I didn't, I, my dream was to be a journalist. I didn't even know it was really possible to run my own company, you know, back in the mid 1990s. And I like to say it was accidental and 
you know, just kind of fell into a lot of really cool things. And I decided I really wanted to spend this phase of my career being really intentional and really focused and bringing really big things to life, but doing it in a way that meant I didn't have to compromise my friends, my family, you know, my personal life that I was able to show up for the people who really mattered to me in my life and not you know, have these big business accomplishments and be completely burnt out and not present and not able to to really live the way I want to live. Wow. So if we're looking back on your journey, a lot of times, you know, we, you, you just said it, like you wrote this book because it's what you needed. So I'm curious, like if we look back and we kind of like pull back the curtain on that phase of your life, how, how did that look before you found this solution? Maybe a lot of your listeners can also relate. I think sometimes we talk about burnout and sometimes there's the idea that you're burning out but then you don't like your job. Like what happens if there are people Mm. like your listeners who love what they're doing? I loved what I was able to do at that phase of my career. I was just doing way too many things and I didn't have boundaries and I wasn't taking care of myself. And I didn't understand how to have the harmony I was looking for, right? And so Mm. I think like many people, I tried balance. And what balance actually meant was the more work I had, then I was trying to amp it up with fun, right? And then more and more and Mm. more and more. And that's not the answer. Where harmony says, you know, I'm making my favorite meal and I'm putting all the ingredients in and I know when a flavor is off and I take that out, Mm. but it's the meal that I like that works for me. And so- I think I spent my 20s and 30s for sure, not wanting to decline an invitation, not wanting to say no to a client or an opportunity and just grinding. And then Mm -hmm. I, like probably many other people thought exercise was a solution, but exercise was not the solution to harmony, right? Exercise Mm -hmm. is a part of preparation, that phase and getting yourself ready, but it is not the solve to the burnout that many of us experience. Mm-hmm. So I created the elevation approach really for me. I, and there are four phases, preparation, inspiration, recreation, and transformation. And mm-hmm. I think I spent maybe 10, 12 years caught in a loop of preparation and inspiration. And what that means is, you know, coming up with a big idea, making sure it was feasible, running the numbers, doing all of that, then going and talking to a lot of people about it. And then going back again and getting ready. And I just kept looping. And what I was missing Mm. was recreation, right? Some time with myself to just let things Mm. sit, right? And I think a lot of us who want to have big impact in the world, what we need to remember is you have to have that time to sit. You can call it your meditation time, your prayer time, your journaling time. But you're like, I want to make things better for the world. You've got to give yourself that opportunity to be fed, you know, and fed in a different way and not constantly creating and creating. And that's what I think really leads toward the final phase, which is transformation. And so I've had to learn that approach. I feel like I'm constantly in that cycle and in different places with different projects, but that was really the formula that ended up working for me. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. I I understand looping completely. So then when you, when you started adding recreation, I'm curious, like there's always so much talk about the weekend, right? (laughs) And how I feel like people are so good at shutting it off Saturday, Sunday, but then Monday comes around again. And it's like this vicious cycle of work, eat, sleep, repeat. Like, I'm curious, where did you find recreation during those week days? And how did you create that space in your schedule? Yeah. So I live every day, literally every block of my day with the elevation approach. So my mornings are preparation. That's when I do, mm. um, you know, and the three principles in preparation are declutter your space, get curious, know your numbers. I do all of those things in my morning, right? So I'm gathering global news updates. I'm checking my emails. I'm looking at my aura ring, which I wear proudly every day and 
looking at my sleep scores and like getting all the number stuff, you know, just listening to podcasts or things that I, where I have some interest and then inspiration. That's the next part of my day where I'm the most social. And so I'm taking my meetings. Mm -hmm. That's when I'm like most on, right? Like I've gotten the download. I'm like ready to go. And then recreation happens for me in the afternoon. And so for any of you who Mm -hmm. experience like that afternoon slump, Mm -hmm. it's a good time to like take 15 minutes and just go walk, not walk for exercise, like walk to feel the sun on your face, to look at something pretty, to smell something, Mm -hmm. to go grab a snack, whatever, just like do something that brings you a little pleasure, a little play for the day. Um, And then now Mm -hmm. I'm in the transformation period where I've got the fuel to make it through the very last part of my day, you know, and that I've learned is a great way for me to live my days, my weeks, my months, my years, you know, the seasons Mm -hmm. of the elevation approach also track with the the four seasons. So winter is preparation, Mm -hmm. spring is inspiration, summer is recreation, fall is transformation. And so I found a way to really live with this, you know, method and and have it be really easy for me. Ooh, that's really cool. So then if the evenings and we're in transformation, you mentioned like you have enough fuel to get kind of through the rest of the day. Like I'm curious, what would transformation look like for you? Just things like this, right? It's like the last I gotta do to Mm. get the day completed. I also am in manufacturing now. And so I I end up spending a lot of time on the phone with my team in Hong Kong. And so that means by eight o'clock, that's 8 a.m. for, for my team members there. So I have to have a little mm. more, you know, gas yeah. in the and to have like really informed conversations, which could be the end of my day. And so that recreation piece is really important to recharging mm. and, and getting a few more hours. And again, I'm also talking to you about like not having a nine to five work day, right? Not having work yeah, stop yeah. right at five. And I, I don't think that that's how we live anymore. I feel like what I'm talking about is a little more modern, right? So you might need that break, let's say to go get your kids from school and you take that time and then you say, but I'm going to come back and do three hours after dinner, after the kids go to sleep, I'm going to do more mm-hmm. time. So you also might need transformation in a later part of your day to kind of bring the day together. Yeah, I really love that. It's true. And especially with so many, I feel venturing into entrepreneurship and building businesses that they truly love and are guided to be creating. I Yeah, I agree. Why stop at five, especially if you have this work-life harmony? Uh, so I'm curious, like, in building this, I mean, it sounds like you really went through a period that was hard to find that harmony. What do you feel like were the biggest challenges for you that you faced along the way in developing this process? I think first it's the idea that when things are going really good, like I had a very celebrated award-winning business, you know, I think you feel a little bit of guilt about feeling like you want something new, right? So I had to deal with my feelings about what I was feeling, right? And and give my permission, myself permission to say, I don't want this thing anymore. Right. And that was really hard because I felt very grateful and very lucky to have been given opportunities by so many people. And so when I decided it wasn't for me anymore, and and there were lots of things that in that phase I, I was quitting. Right. But that goes back to the principle number one, I was decluttering my space and I didn't really understand or know that that's what I was doing, but I was clearing space for the really big things that I wanted in my life to come in. And that's hard. I think that's really hard for any of us though. And I just want to, you know, let your listeners know, like it is hard when you decide you want to try something different and it's okay to feel that there's a struggle or that you're sad. I was sad to let go of some of the things I let go. You know, I loved my role 
as an academic director at Wharton for a program called Leadership in the Business World. I was teaching rising high school seniors how to start businesses. Mm -hmm. They would live on campus. I was with them for a month every summer. And it was something I look forward to every single summer for almost seven years. And so Mm -hmm. when I decided that I needed to step away, there was nothing wrong. It just, I knew that the time I was putting into that, I needed to spend that time doing something else. And I really Mm -hmm. needed to laser focus on whatever the next thing was going to be. And so, uh, you know, I left boards I'd been on for 10, 11 years, you know, again, there was nothing wrong. And so I think that's the first thing is sometimes you want to make a change when there's really nothing wrong or, or like no big issue with what you're currently doing and just no longer serves you where you are in your life. That's really special. I'm curious, like in that moment, how did you know what it was time? Was there just like a knowingness? Was it like a gut feeling? Like, how did you know what to kind of step away from? I kind of call it like hopping off of the express train. I went on my first sabbatical mm. in 23 years and I was very public oh. about this. And I'm like, I'm going on sabbatical. And I write about this in the book. My father had been sick that year. And so it was just a year. It was a year for my family. It was a year for me personally. I was, you know, earlier that year, didn't realize I was like really grieving my business. I was very, I didn't, I was like almost like pre-grieved it. So by the time I decided six, seven months later to close it, I was fine, but I didn't understand until later that, oh, I I was grieving and I didn't understand that. So it was a tough Mm. year. I went on sabbatical. I was taking six months off and I was in Yellowstone and I was there with a friend. And I remember just sitting there. It was the first day in like 10 months that I had the day just to sit and just to be. And I'm in like probably the most beautiful place, I think, in this country, if not one of the most beautiful places in the world. And I'm just sitting there. And, you know, I've spent a day watching animals do what they do. And at the last part of the day, there's, I mean, this beautiful place where like 3,000 buffalo were just hanging out. And I was like, such peace. And I remember just this thought came into my head. It was like, I don't want to go back to my business. And I was like, oh, oh. And then I, you know, I'm very decisive. I was like, okay, that's right. I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know what to do with it. I just knew I was done. And then I started to think about, well, what do I love about what I do? And what I loved was this new thing that had popped up around content creation. And I, you know, loved the book series. I had done one book series back then called Mackenzie Blue. And I'm like, well, if I could do anything, what would I do? I'd write more books for middle grade readers. And then things very quickly came together. But it was that moment, right? And I tell that story because that's why recreation is important because you're taking yourself out of it and you're giving yourself a moment just to say, is my day going the way I want it to go? Is the season going the way I want it to go? Is the year going the way I want it to go, right? I have a whole planner that takes you through this. That's why it's a seasonal monthly and weekly planner. So you can bring this approach in. And and, and, But it wasn't until I stopped that I could ask myself those questions. Wow, that's powerful. And I want to highlight what you said about like you've you then made space for then the right answers to flow through. And then you also had already had that time to where you could dedicate. Now you created so much space in your life for this to actually unfold and to happen. And that's that's really powerful. Mm. Yeah, and thank you. But that again, that's why making space is so important because I, yeah. I believe so many of us want to give and we want to change things and we want to do more, but we don't know what to do because we've got all the noise and all the stuff in our mm-hmm. lives just coming at us 24-7. So when you take a break and say, 
do I like this? And, and start to ask those tough questions. Then you got to deal with those answers. You know, you can't just ask the questions and not be prepared to deal with what the answers might be. Ooh, yeah, so true. So true. And I'm curious now, I know you're doing this on a daily basis and you're doing this like through the seasons of life. And I think that's so beautiful. But then when I, when I hear like, right in your beautiful bio, you have multiple businesses happening. You have multiple people. You have a company you said in Hong Kong, you've probably got a full team. I'm just curious, like, yeah, how does the work-life harmony come into play there? And I know that's not a very specific question, but I just see all that you do. I'm like, she is a powerhouse. So yeah, like, how do you, how do you make sure that you're still integrating this into your life? I mean, it sounds like you've just, you've become the kind of person who just, this is it, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think it's just the way you live. Yes, it is. But like anything, it is intentional, right? So mm-hmm. I say no a lot. Mm-hmm. And I had to become comfortable with that. I'm the oldest of six kids. You know, I'm <laughs> I'm the child, uh-huh. right? You do, you want, you want the gold star. I'm the gold star. And so mm-hmm. I had to get comfortable with not always wanting a gold star and also confirming my boundaries to other people, right? When pe- mm-hmm. people always yeah. ask a million things of you, feeling, right? Sometimes we don't even, no matter how big our jobs are, we don't feel comfortable saying, I don't, think so, or that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I was, you know, I often tell a story of when I had my agency, you know, when you're running an agency, you're really in service to other people. Right. So even as mm-hmm. an entrepreneur or CEO, I didn't control my own schedule at all. That was a, that was a great idea that I could, right. I was really at the mercy yeah. of my clients and when they needed me. And I read a great book by my friend, Ari Mizell which was all about the art of, of doing less. And, and he talks about batching your time, batching things. And I said, okay, let me try this, but I, I don't think it's going to work. And so what I mean by that is I wanted to only take meetings on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. And I was still going to the city once a week. So I even batched that in. So either Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, I'd spend a day in New York City, meetings the other two days on the phone, Zoom, and then the day in New York, every meeting in person. And this is a big deal, right? To get like 12 to 15 clients to agree to not speak to me on Mondays and Fridays. And so every time a new client would sign up, I would say, okay, I just want to talk to you about how I work. Um, I like Mm -hmm. to reserve my Mondays and my Fridays for strategy. And so I prefer if we could have our call on a Tuesday or Thursday. And at that point, I realized Wednesdays were the best day to go to the city and Tuesday, Thursday, like I bookend with meeting days. And every single client said, wow, it is so thoughtful that you carve out time to do big work for me. And I feel taken care of. I wasn't prepared for that, right? Mm-hmm. I was doing something in a way that I thought was taking care of me. And by talking about mm-hmm. why I wanted to do it, that I really wanted to come ready and really wanted to have space to do the work, the client felt cared mm-hmm. for, right? And think about that projection. I'm caring for myself. The other person feels cared for. And so I would just offer that, that, you know, if you are a busy parent and you're like, I just need 10 minutes in the morning just to do whatever I consider consider mindfulness, have that conversation with your family and say, you know what, I'm going to be such a great parent. I'm going to show up much better. If you can give mom or dad 10 minutes in the morning, I will rock it for you and give you everything you need. But in that way... What they're hearing is, oh, mom wants to show up for me, right? They're not hearing mommy doesn't have time. They're hearing like, mom wants to show up for me. I want to help mom because mom wants to help me, right? And so I think it's the language we use with ourselves, right? And saying, okay, I I deserve this or I deserve to have work-life harmony. I deserve to have a schedule that works. I really want Mm -hmm. to support other people. So how do I show up as the best version of myself so I can offer that support to other Mm -hmm. people? 
And like anything else, it's a muscle that you have to train. And so the real answer to how I do it is it's creating those boundaries, but also communicating them in a way that doesn't exclude the other person, but really includes them in the process. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, we just started this new life on the road. You are currently in our RV right now. And that's been such a big transition, right? From like being in a house, having childcare, having all the time in the world really to just do the thing. And so, yeah, it's been such a big transition. So I'm like, this is such a timely conversation. You have no idea. I'm so excited to like sit with this and really integrate it into doing as well. So, so thank you. And so then then I'm curious, like throughout your career, when you're looking back, I mean, I know for you work-life harmony and, and figuring this out for you has been so transformative, but I'm curious, like, what do you feel like have has been maybe let's just choose one other thing. What else has been, you feel essential to your success in the business world? I think carving out time with the people who really matter to me, understanding that in different seasons of your life, it may not be as much time as you want. What's most important is that it's meaningful and it's intentional. There was a period, you know, my best friends in Philadelphia, we started a supper club and very busy, you know, doctors, architects, you know, business owners, Uh, teachers, caretakers. And we agreed to like one night per month and we'd rotate to a different house. And sometimes that's all we got with each other was literally that one night per month. That was it. That's what we had. And I would just look forward to it, you know? And then there are seasons when I feel like I was seeing a friend every week and it was great, you know, but all you have is that one night per month, you have to hold on to that. And you have to also just understand that there's seasons for everything, right? I, I'm an East Coast girl. So, you know, when you get to that point in March where it's just so cold and you're just done mm. with the cold, right? Spring is coming, you know, summer's coming. Mm. And then and then mm-hmm. spring comes and the allergies come. <laughs> and then you're just dying <laughs> for fall, right? And now like, I'm like, oh my gosh, I just need the fall to come so I can feel better. And so that's the thing. It's like, if you remember things are in cycles and things come again and they come around again and mm-hmm. you haven't missed the thing that's for you. Yeah, you know, that's the other thing that really helps me is not feeling like I missed the opportunity, but mm-hmm. maybe I missed an opportunity and maybe it'll come around again. And so I think you also mm-hmm. have to relax yeah. a little bit, you know, instead of like, my, I think my previous version of myself was probably like white knuckling every, like, I need to have this thing right now. Instead, I'm like, I hope to have it. I hope, I hope it's the right thing, but I might not even want that in the next season. Oh, that's really powerful. Yeah. It's almost like you don't know what you truly need, especially since you might not even see it yet. And then something even better might pop up and show up. And I'm sure that it's happened to you season after season, new openings, new doors opening for you. Mm. Yeah. And you want to be and and, I, and you want to show up for those opportunities, right? And that is where I realized, mm-hmm. oh, recreation is really important because if I'm burnout and my big opportunity shows up, I'm not going to properly mm-hmm. manage it because I'm burnout. So I'm not going to be so the best version of my, myself showing up for that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Wow. And you've built such a strong personal brand. I'm curious, like how, how was it building that? Like, what do you feel like was the core takeaway from that experience of building your personal brand and being able to share so authentically and so beautifully, especially online for so many people to experience your expertise like this, like this (laughs) episode, right? Like perfect example. Well, thank you for that. I'll tell you something funny. Like, I feel like I've always been at the wrong place in my career to quote unquote, build a social media presence. Like 
I was, so right around the time everyone really started to engage with social media, I was running a growing business. I was like 11, 12 years into my business. And I remember going to a, an event and a friend said, I need to have a Twitter vention with you. I was like, what is that? <laughs> like your yeah. Twitter is horrible. You need to do that. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm focused on growing my business. I'll like pop on Twitter, but it's not my thing. And then I just personally loved Instagram. And so I feel like Instagram is probably where you get the truest version of me. And then I'm a writer. So if you subscribe to my newsletter, like I love to tell stories and I love writing, but I don't, I don't, I would tell you, I don't know that I've done the best job of building a quote unquote personal brand because I didn't come of age as an entrepreneur in a time when that was the thing. Right. But I came of age a bit, like almost like a decade earlier. And so I always have chosen to really think through the, like the four P's of marketing and the classic, you know, marketing strategy I was taught, which is just product place promotion price. Right. And always very focused on what am I offering? You know, what do I want to teach someone? What's the education piece I want to offer? What's the inspirational piece I want to offer? Um, and so I really see it through that lens and I see all of these different social platforms as tools. And I think that, you know, I'm watching what's going on right now with TikTok. And I feel for anyone who has built a business completely on the back of a tool because tools can go away, right? But who you are as a person, what your message is, that does not, right? You, I am still the person I love, you know, I could write children's books, do a lot of things. The hard, if you sit down and ask me about business, I'm going to love to just talk to you about business. Whatever your business is, I'm truly passionate about helping people grow their businesses. I always have that conversation. And so, you know, I've never thought about having a personality on social. I, I've never, I've just felt like, I'm going to be me, whether you like it or not, but I'm not going to yeah. put on a show because we're also kind of sick of seeing that. And we know, right. We're like yeah. behind the curtain now. And I think that we're seeing on social this desire for more authenticity. I think sometimes it goes in a direction that's like a little much for me. And so again, I just try to stay in like whatever lane I want to be in and not be so consumed with a tool. You know, like yeah. there are people who have millions of followers on Clubhouse. Who's on Clubhouse right now? We all were yeah. during a pandemic when we couldn't go anywhere. But how do you translate that social credibility into something that makes sense mm -hmm. now, right? And that's what happens when you really build an audience in just one tool versus probably many of like the, the online, you know, entrepreneurs we know who are geniuses at getting you on their mailing list. And no matter where they go, what platform they build mm -hmm. on, you still want to know more from that person, right? And I think because they're authentic, right? So you might like how they look on Instagram, but if you saw a video, you're engaged there. They pop up on you know, YouTube, you're engaged there. Why? Because you like their content. You like what they talk about. You like how they present it. You like their method or whatever they're bringing. And ultimately you like how they make you feel or they bring or equip and inspire you. And so I think that's where you should focus is on that, you know, whether you call it your unique selling point or, you know, I can talk marketing all day long, your features and benefits, all the things, but you got to know what those are. And that is different than understanding what tool best showcases that, right? Mm. Those are two very different things. What do I have to offer? What am I, what's my value proposition? And then what's the best way to showcase my value proposition? Mm. Mm, that's really powerful. And it's really interesting you say that because I actually had been running so much of my business through Instagram, woke up one day and my entire Instagram was gone because my business was basically, because it was all virtual. It was shut down overnight. And so I quickly learned 
the value in that. And so what it sounds like is you've spent a lot of your your time in, in your business building has been offline, using offline strategies and then having now social media be different tools to help you leverage and grow. But that's that sounds like your strategy. Yeah. And just, you know, there are so many tools that are trending and this and that, that I think we get caught up in tools instead of the fundamentals of how do you fundamentally yeah. grow business? What does that growth look like? What does it look like to understand your audience, to grow with them, to be with them? And if you nail that, you know, as things change, you'll be okay. You know, now I know so many people are worried about a recession. I built and scaled my business during a recession in in 2008. And it was a really scary, scary recession. But I started listening to my customers. You know, I was doing this like new, cool, almost like kitschy thing called influencer marketing. I mean, we laugh at that idea that influencer marketing at one point was like a new thing that people maybe would kind of experiment on, right? Um, and I got very lucky that during, I was very clear on what I offered. And during a recession, when a lot of those fortune 500s were hesitant to spend on really big advertising campaigns, they were willing to try what they considered a low budget influencer campaign, which was like huge money to me. And I was able to really get a lot of fortune 500 companies on my client list, really grow my business and Mm -hmm. had nothing to do with social media. It happened to do with like having the right product in the right space. And then really starting to listen to what the needs were and understand what was happening in the business world at that time. And so again, to your point, those are all offline skills, you know? Yeah. I don't want anyone to ever feel like I don't know how to manage this social media tool. So I'm out of the conversation or I can't create a company. You know, that's not true. Yeah. You'll find someone who can help. But if you don't have good content, it doesn't matter if you can master Instagram, if you have nothing anyone wants to hear or see on Instagram, you know, mm, that's so true. And that's powerful to just hear how you've truly taken, you've taken control and you took this idea that came at such an interesting time. I feel like when most of the world was shutting down, you just saw opportunity and that's really neat. And especially sounds like you got in early and you saw like the world is heading this way. The world is heading this way. You need to be a part of it. And you were able to probably help it move forward immensely. So thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. I try. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) That's incredible. So looking back on your career so far, what do you feel like you're most proud of? And then I'm curious, like, what's next for you? What goals do you feel like you are stepping into and what vision do you hold for your future? I'm always proud when one of my books is released. I mean, books take so much effort from so many people to get to a bookshelf. And so I'm just proud of the work and the work that I know an entire team puts into getting that book Mm -hmm. there. And then I guess what's next is really enjoying where I am. I loved creating my line at Target. I have a line of home office products that are focused on bringing work-life harmony to your life. And so, yes, on your trip, you stop by Target. Those products will be really good in (laughs) your new office situation. It will definitely help you if you're on Mm -hmm. the go. And I, my inspiration for it was really thinking about environment and the environment we need to be in to bring our big ideas to life. And also mm-hmm. understanding not everyone has the luxury of carving out a room, right? Like if, you've, if you're if you at home, tons of kids or your kids and you're like, oh my God, I can't find a corner for myself. It's really designed to say, here's the corner for you and here's the place to start. And so I love 
I love building that brand and I think really continuing to create for that brand. I have another brand that's coming that I'm really excited about mm-hmm. that's a completely new space. And so um, just love being in retail and serving customers there. Mm-hmm. And I hope to get to do more of that. And, you know, I haven't settled on a new middle grade series. So I don't know what's next in middle grade, but I know soon enough I'll be in a place. I have a couple trips coming up, um, some personal time. And I come up with big book ideas during that time. So I'm not putting any pressure on myself, but hopefully yeah. during those trips, I'll come up with something. Mm, some ideas going to land. That's really exciting. So. Next time I'm in Target <laughs> or a bookstore and be like, I'm, I'm on the hunt and I'm sure it'll be easy to find because yeah, it's Target and I'm sure your name's all over the place in there. I'm I'm excited to try and I'm going to pick something up. I'll send you a picture of it too. Beautiful, beautiful. And then you mentioned a book before, but right now, do you have a book that you feel was really transformative on your journey? That would be a good takeaway for the listener. Oh, that's a great question. I would say my favorite business book ever, Good to Great. Mm-hmm. I think that it's a fascinating book in understanding that just such small decisions separate good companies from great companies and understanding what makes a great company, I think is really important just to know it, right? It doesn't mean we always live up to things. Sometimes it's good to just know I should have the standard for myself. One of the principles from the book that I often think about is that you should be rigorous, but not ruthless, right? And that idea Mm -hmm. of what rigor really means and the being decisive, like not wasting time, understanding what has to be done and getting it done, but not being ruthless Mm -hmm. about it, right? And And that I, you know, there's so many other principles, getting the right people on the bus came from that book. So important. You may not even know where the bus is going, but if you can just get the right people on there, you can decide together. Um, And I recently had an experience the last few years of building this new business, building relevant media and relevant products where I had to get the right people on the bus and have them believe that we were going to get to a destination. Mm. But it was because I had the right people on the bus. And so um, I think it's a really important book for anyone in business to to read. And you know, that's really relevant for me right now. Like I'm curious when it was, when you're getting these people on the bus, what was, what was your best way to do that and really attract people who are the dream team really holding and carrying that vision? Do you have any, anything that, yeah, you'd recommend that worked for you? I'm really in that phase right now. I think the older, I think when I was younger, I was very idealistic about what I thought people were going to bring to me and what they were going to do. And what I mean by that is like, I would happily sign someone up for something completely out of the realm of possibility of any skill set they had ever presented to me. I'm like, you've seen like the person who could do this. Mm -hmm. Now I look for people where I'm like, I've seen you do that. I've seen you get there. I want to ask you to come in and look at it a different way, but I know you're capable of getting to the goal line. Right. And so that has seemed to work better because they're confident and the fact that they've done it before. And they're also excited to Mm -hmm. try something new, right? So if I'm asking you to go on a journey and build a product line for a retailer when I haven't done it before and the retailer's doing something totally new, that's a lot of new, right? And so what I then don't want to do is bring in a bunch of people who haven't served a big retailer before and say, let's all like, Mm -hmm. that's too much newness versus saying, you're an expert, you're an expert, you're an expert, you're an expert. I'm asking us all to do something different and new but I know that you've got the skill set. I know you've done plenty of executions for other people. Let's just try something a different way. Mm, that's so helpful. Thank you. Thank you. And do you have anything else that's coming up for you or coming through that you feel maybe it's just speaking to one person who might be listening right now? What do they need to hear? Goodness. I, I don't know. For me, the last thing is just I try to live this every day and it's not 
something that I've mastered. I don't think you ever master an approach like this, right? I think it's just, you're constantly saying, what tool do I need today? What do I need to help me get through the day? And it just help gives you a guide to say, oh, this is what I want. This is how I'm feeling. How do I get back there? Right. I'm not feeling work-life harmony every day of my life. I've had a very long few weeks, but I know exactly what I need to put in each day to get me to the next day, to have me feeling, you know, I might not be feeling optimal every day, but there are many, many more days than not where I am feeling optimal. And so mm-hmm. I would just say, stick with it. You know, whatever comes up for you is something that it's the time for you to deal with that and be gentle with yourself. Just give yourself grace. I think we all need to give ourselves more grace, you know, give yourself the ability to like take as much time as you need. Don't feel the need to get through this book really fast or get this thing done really fast. Just sit with it and and enjoy it and know it's your, your experience that you're creating for yourself. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. And where can we find you? TinaWells.com. Of course, my book is at Target, but it's also anywhere books are sold. Um, I saw it in the airport like a week ago. I was freaking out in the airport where books are sold. And the brand is 100% exclusively at Target stores and Target.com. I would be going up there, grabbing the book, taking selfies. (laughs) Hey, (laughs) was that you? Come on. You've done it. If you haven't, please. That is such an incredible so accomplishment. I, I, it's funny. I go oh. in and I fix the end cap. And I was with my niece who was <laughs> nice. incredibly embarrassed. I, I've never seen this girl <laughs> run from, like, she was like so embarrassed. And then it was funny because people were watching me fix my end cap. And then they were like noticing it was me. And my niece was like, this is terribly embarrassed. Like we have to get away from this. So I, I will oh, remember to take a so selfie, special. but I, I normally fix it up and make sure it looks good. Oh, that's so special. Thank you so much for being here today. It means the world. This is great. Thank you.